0: Welcome back to the Big Bad Beetle Bros. A special bonus episode. I'm Cam. I'm Aaron. I'm Griffin. And I'm TJ. And we're doing a special Halloween episode. This is kind of a weird bunch here. Like you don't, you, you don't get a lot of.
1: <laughs> I
2: was gonna you know, say that this, this, is, this is fucking Cam with the B team. Yeah. The editor guy they have on sometimes. Aaron is like. A friend at Cams. Well, I don't know. Aaron's done a couple bonus episodes and one episode of Beetleborgs.
1: That's it. I'm only in it in for it when there's profit. In the, in the <laughs> Aaron's our yeah,
3: uh, the uh, self proclaimed boss from the last time I guessed it. Yeah, there you
0: go. <laughs> bringing in the heavy hitters. Does anyone know who TJ
1: is? <laughs> yeah, t- uh, well, we
0: could let the man himself do it. Yeah, so, TJ, you want so. just a quick spiel? I know we did that for the uh, episode 35, but. Your your quick so spiel. For
1: those of you
3: who don't know, I'm TJ Bowser. I'm the owner and founder of ProjectLouder.net, podcasting platform network, whatever you want to call it. It is a home for the poise. For, oh, fuck! For the people <laughs> to be free, to be loud, to be louder, and it's where new and upcoming content creators can find a home to really build their brand. And that's why the Big Bad Beetleborgs is on here, people. They are the biggest. They are the best. They are the only Big Bad Beetleborgs podcast to grace your ears every fucking week. Enjoy. Listen exclusively on projectlouder.net and on Anchor. There we go.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Beetle bros. Oh, the yeah. Beatles. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, we're not the Beetle Dicks and we're not the Beetle Buds. We're the Beetle bros.
2: <laughs> we watched Day of the Dead for October 2020.
0: We did. <laughs> Free on uh what was it to me T- yeah on tubi tv which is uh,
1: uh like also on hbo max for some reason
0: yeah like pluto tv tubi tv is another place where uh shout factory throws all their stuff so i i on. frequent them pretty often uh toku shouts is on tubi tv too isn't it
3: yes they have a so. lot of sentai episodes
0: yeah they that's uh awesome. that's where they were airing uh let's talk toku with um my buddy squall charleston uh that i was lucky enough to appear on a couple weeks ago, so that was a good time. But yeah, we watched Day of the Dead, the 1985 horror classic. I guess it's a classic, yeah. It's,
1: yeah, by sounds, George. Yeah, a I'm gonna say it's a Romero. So it's yeah. been
2: remade twice. You know, other films like <laughs>
3: Resident <laughs> Evil <laughs> Extinction with uh, a
2: yeah. No, the plot has been taken off for movies like Resident Evil Extinction. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, to name one, I don't know. The classic Did featuring our actually. own Vexor, the voice actor for Vexor, Joe Pilato. So there's the Beetleborgs Ooh. connection.
1: <laughs> Very loose. <laughs> it's justified. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Playing Captain Rhodes, one of my favorite on screen villains of all How fucking time. Rest Kevin in Bacon?
0: peace. Yeah, it's like a Degrees to Kevin Bacon thing. How many Degrees to the Beetleborgs? <laughs> <laughs> okay that's gotta be more than six <laughs> oh, <laughs> consistently more than six yeah
2: so what happened in day of the dead cam
0: oh you know tj you've got all of the uh horror knowledge at least comparatively to me uh i'm like the least qualified person to lead a conversation or to yeah, have a conversation the on this one question
2: what happened in day of the dead
0: cam <laughs> what happened bro i Isolation, murder, and amazing practical effects.
2: The first time it. this is the first time you've seen it, haven't? Isn't it?
0: No, I saw it like oh shit. There's probably been like ten years since I've seen Day of oh, the Dead. Shit. I watch I watch Night of the Living Dead, at least every October, if not two or three times a year. Yeah. But I usually go to like an, a, a screening at uh, like one of the local theaters.
3: Okay, For you more Aaron. horror nerds out there, so, this is the third film in the George A. Romero of the dead franchise uh this is shot in wampum pennsylvania which is different from his previous two films which were shot in new Monroeville, pennsylvania
2: yeah this is the as sequel to uh dawn of the dead so Monitoring. this is like the third zombie film by George and as the, uh,
3: right. the marketing says after the night there
1: is the dawn and after the dawn there is the day yeah I wish they would have kept going. And after the day is the mid-afternoon. <laughs> mid-afternoon is- See,
3: the problem is, is it doesn't go like that. It goes night, dawn, day, land, diary, survival. And it just Fucking goes on very <laughs> just kind of yeah, <laughs> trails into nothing. Yeah. I was going to say, Pretty what? you right. Diary is diary. <laughs> I what? say that.
0: <laughs> What's the one that was supposed to be in production? Was that uh, Road of the Dead or or Road to the Dead or something? Was that... Like the unreleased one that never got finished, I think.
3: Never finished.
0: Yeah. No. eh. Maybe it was never started. Shit, (laughs) if I know.
1: (laughs) Somebody Somebody did coke and talked about it once. That's about as far as it got.
2: Now, TJ, I cut you off there because it seems like you're about to go into some interesting uh, trivia, which I know you're full of, but you said, where was the shot now?
3: Wampum, Pennsylvania. Okay. In a storage facility pretty deep underground it's currently used in modern day as a storage facility for like personal and commercial effects uh lots of cars are stored there now and everything's painted white
1: Mm -hmm. much like it is currently
3: yes In, in the film it's portrayed in white but like the, even the rocks are painted white, modern day. Mm-hmm. I think oh, that gotcha. They the, really uh, blasted 90s, that thing out. <laughs> in the early 90s, they went through a restoration process and kind of redid the entire interior of the structure. It still exists, and you can still visit it and inquire about using it as storage to this day.
2: That's fucking and, uh, amazing.
3: It is. And then all of the opening scenes where you see the zombies coming out in the opening scene is filmed in Florida. That's
2: so true. like long after We're Dead... I think this place will still be used for yes. something, yeah. you know? It's now, a fucking uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so TJ's already dropped the setting for a majority of the film, but do we want to start from the beginning and yeah. just kind of go from there? So We um,
3: haven't talked about the beginning for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. The music, the setting, and honestly, the sheer amount of effects that go into the beginning.
1: I know, yeah. yeah I was... The, the beginning scenes were effect heavier than I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you were asking, Griffin, this is my first watch through There's ever. There's one
2: guy here that hadn't seen the film before, and that's Mr. Aaron Schrock. I wanted to pivot just a little because I was excited to talk about the opening shot of this movie. It does not come after any titles. The movie just kind of starts right up on most copies of the film that are available now there's no stupid 32nd universal logo there's no paramount logo those there's no horrible thx ear splitting you know (laughs) dolby surround sound (laughs) bullshit this is just the opening shot is just and fade in on laurie cardill
0: yeah the the cinematography of just right off the bat they just start nailing the tone of the film of that right. isolation and seclusion and mm-hmm. you know the shit we've all been feeling for the past like 7 or so months
3: what really, fun escapism it really allows you to establish the, like what the zombies have accomplished with everything being a ghost town and then right. whenever noise is made that there's this kind of horde dynamic that kind of foreshadows the rest of
1: the film uh-huh. right
3: it's, and... it's, it's, it's such a cool scene with the music and everything, and then the Florida setting of the person going down out of the helicopter, announcing themselves, and then just hordes of zombies. Mm-hmm. Just right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Encapsulating this entire downtown section of Florida. It's yeah. so awesome. It's so cool, and it's so over the top because you think of a better way to start a film.
2: Yeah, it is absolutely beautiful. It's iconic, it's been taken off by several of the films. Like, again, going back to the critically panned Resident Evil films, but the first one I like, and at the end of the original film with Mila Jovovich, they take off this opening, because, like, she's downtown, she's alone, and you see that newspaper that says The Dead Walk. Like, that wouldn't have happened without this film. So this is a heavily borrowed-from film film,
0: Yeah, it's it's weird with with this, like franchise, because uh, I keep forgetting every time I rewatch any of these movies, you don't need them to be connected like super strongly. Like it doesn't need to be like the MCU or something where every movie blatantly leads into the next. They can be set in the same universe because it's just zombies. It's the most like base level zombies with the most like, you know, Romero pretty much set the rules for what a zombie apocalypse is. In modernity, oh, and, so and
1: not only not only zombies, but like a zombie plague that's winning, I mean, right? You know, it's yeah. pretty, pretty much taken over. What are the zombies like four hundred thousand to one or something insane like that?
2: Yeah, no. The outlook of this film is really bleak because yeah, we exactly. don't we don't know exactly what's going on, how many are left, and like will these people get out of this? You know, it's very no, ambiguous on. and scary.
3: From a filmmaking standpoint, this film's super unique. Coming off the coattails of Dawn of the Dead, which uh, had a cut that featured Dario Argento, uh, labeled it as zombie, and there's a completely different cut of Dawn of the Dead. Now, Claudio Argento financed this film. So, uh, a little behind-the-scenes stuff for you guys. Dario helped finance Dawn of the Dead with the condition that he had his own cut to release in Italy. Now, Claudio Argento helped fund this film.
2: That's nuts. You know, some of us are seeing it. Aaron's seeing it for the first time. Cameron hasn't seen it in 10 years. I watch it multiple times a year. And TJ, you've seen it the most. So there's a tier list for
3: you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Really full spectrum.
3: Day of the Dead, it's the third entry of what we consider one of the most important zombie franchises of the horror genre. Yeah. I mean, George Romero is accredited to really mainstreaming this entire subgenre within horror. And did you guys notice that Greg Nicotero made a cameo appearance as Johnson? Greg oh, Nicotero no, being uh, Nicotero in Effects who also did the modern-day uh, Walking Dead franchise. No,
0: but that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm fully aware of the connection there. Um, but, you know, Cam and Aaron, did you you catch that one of the mercenaries was played by Nick Guterro? Did you notice that?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been yeah. paying attention when you were talking about the mercenaries earlier. It's- the mercenaries are really the
3: standout of this film, uh, not only because of the dialogue, but the things that they say and then within the context of it, part of, like, part of the things that they say is absolutely disgusting and yeah. shock factor. And then another part of it is contextual. And the fact that put yourself in their position and their situation and see what the, they're dealing with and how would you react in that situation. Uh, yeah, It's interesting because it's this entire group of people isolated into this one setting for X amount of years and you slowly see this disintegration of personality and sanity all at once. And you really get to see the worst of these people. And I think that that also contrasts the fact that the zombies are slowly leaking in by the end of this film. I think that it's just the whole degeneration of the entire group by the end of this film.
0: Yeah, there's you You can definitely sense an, a, a, like um, as the film goes on and as, like, the franchise has gone on, like, to this third film, a, an, uh, a gradually increasing sense of, of losing yes, and, yeah, and of hopelessness. That's where, yeah, that's I think exactly that's where
3: George uh, really shines, is by, yeah. like, establishes this lore and universe whereby the third film that we're really losing this fight and that he yeah, like it, really doesn't have a leg up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And even being, you know, they're down in uh, uh like we we talked about a little bit about the, uh, the the kind of the storage caverns that they're in, which are are pretty much verbatim what they are. I mean, they're they've been updated a little bit since then, but they're they're storage caves. We've got a shit ton of them in Kansas City and they're just they're caves where you rent spots, you put RVs, you put, you know, your your extra cars and whatever the hell people with extra cars and RVs put In storage caves.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking boats, apparently. (laughs) Right. uh, But
0: yeah, then the uh,
1: the exterior shots, uh, most of those were shot in the Everglades, right? Then Florida.
3: Yeah, that Florida town that they were shot most of that opening scene in. And then the Everglades would be some of those uh, elevator scenes and some of the other exterior shots you see with the fencing.
0: Yeah, right. And they kind of jump right. it. I mean, we talked about, you know, the obviously the intro just jumping right into it. But as soon as they get down into the caves, they get right into kind of the uh, not just the action bits of it, but the, even the lore building of like how yeah. long they've been just around the zombies and becoming aware of them and learning how to trap them and contain them and experiment yeah. on them. And, it's, you know, they've got processes. They've got this trap system set up in their front gate. To capture singular zombies, uh, grab them with like a, I don't know what it's called, but like the dog catcher noose thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it is kind of like a noose, Um, you know, before we even get to that first scene where we see mercenaries going in to collect zombies, which they're catching them for the scientific research purposes because later we find out. Yeah. We find out when we meet, uh, when we meet Dr. Logan, we find out that he's, you know, studying these things, try and find a way to overcome them. But as soon as our characters get underground, the film does a good job of letting us know that, you know, it's just as crazy down here as it is up on the surface with all the zombies, because like these nasty mercenaries show up in like a, a golf cart. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> come on, let's go. We got work to do. There's no one else that's available. Get in here. We need two more because we got to bring in two more dumb fucks, as they call <laughs> them. And yeah, it's the intensity of the uh, specimen collecting scene where they go up top and trap them is crazy. Uh, you know, these mercenaries are nasty. They're twisted. They've been down here for so long and they've lost that kind of any sense of humanity or or empathy these are nasty human beings so when when they take sarah and her boyfriend to go catch two of them you know it's not pretty her boyfriend is sleep deprived yeah and uh almost gets one of them killed and then we see steel the kind of alpha of the mercenaries try to strangle him and Sarah takes charge and threatens to shoot him. So it shows that her character is pretty strong and she can stand up for herself. Great scene. Great scene. But-
0: oh, you dumb fucks. Puss brain bags of shit. you dumb fucking bags of shit. I'll kick your fucking ass. Yeah. On. It establishes her as, as a uh, uh, kind of a lead. That's a fairly well-adjusted character mm-hmm. real quick.
3: The, only- focus of the entire film.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: only only female in this cave, you know, full of nasty men. But um, she's proven herself to be independent.
3: And I'd have to say within of all of George Romero's zombie films that she's probably the most focused on female-wise of the entire franchise. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I did want to comment on that one scene where uh, that guy drops the uh, kind of choker leash thing that they made. Yeah. Uh, she runs over and picks it up and gets control back of the zombie. Um, yeah. But it was the 80s, so after after she got control of it, he took control back over to get it back ah. into the pin. I just thought that was a funny little, like, okay, well, since you got it handled, we can get it from here.
3: <laughs> oh, it's so close to equality. We can almost... I know, right? <laughs> it's,
0: I think they classify that as a microaggression right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Qu- almost made the Bechdel test. <laughs>
2: Well, her boyfriend doesn't want to be made a fool of in front of the others because he wants to go up and handle himself, but he's clearly in bad shape. And Steel is like, you know, fuck you, lady. You're not strong enough to be up here. But, you know, obviously she is, and he's the one that's in bad shape. So it was a mistake to let him go up there and try to handle the zombies who, you know, one bite and you'll turn, as we see later on in the film.
0: Yeah, and and I mean immediately after that scene is him basically just breaking down, and yeah. uh, and her once again having to kind of take charge and wear the pants the a, little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, she uh, gives
2: him a sedative even though he doesn't want to take one, and you know the captain is just like, no, I need manpower. And she's yeah. the sensitive kind of nurturing one with half a brain, and everyone else except for her two friends. Are just like fucking crazy. So,
3: also, I want to mention that Howard Berger of K and B Effects, uh, the B in K and Effects, was the spin around cave zombie shot by
1: John, and he's uncredited in this film.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah,
3: just wanted to share some of that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, another thing that we kind of skipped over. Um, now that I'm looking back, uh, the sedative scene we didn't talk about that much. So the setup is that. There's, you know, a lot of emotional turmoil, whatever. But the guy flips out, smacks her in the face twice, and then hugs her. And that's when he, like, injects the sedative into... And that's when she injects the sedative into his shoulder. Like, it, it's just, like, the intensity that this movie carried like that has been... Uh, for a first-time oh, yeah. viewer, is oh, like, oh yeah. shit, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's really powerful.
1: Uh, yeah, because, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't come off as like a guy hitting a woman it comes off as like a dude having a psychotic episode context
3: and situation dude yeah exactly (laughs) so
1: it pulls it off i'm impressed
3: (laughs) this film really encapsulates you into the context and situation that these people are in
1: really does
0: yeah and it just they keep playing with power dynamics obviously through, through the whole film but it immediately just it goes from one like dichotomy to the next con. Like every scene has this kind of play of power. You know, they immediately go to the captain uh, sitting at, I I guess, kind of the war room desk going through all the information
2: or, i mean yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 he
3: and his weapon shadow claw are programmed to destroy the beetle and
0: he's just automatically an asshole right off the bat and you just establish right then and there that like yeah okay this guy's the pseudo villain for this film because as with most zombie and and uh, walking dead type films and, and franchises the zombies aren't really ever the villains at least not the main villains not too often no it's it's always about the human struggle almost always i, I should say mm-hmm. about the human struggle and and you know it could be a natural disaster or anything like that the zombies just add that spice to it
3: well we do have to uh commend george romero for giving us karma in the ultimate form
0: oh for sure yeah that's <laughs> Of of any genre of uh, of horror movies that really play it out, I feel like zombie movies, specifically Romero movies, always have that karmic relief towards the end of the film that just
3: mm-hmm.
0: perfect setup for it, and then it's played off. And that the you know the captain is obviously kind of the uh, uh, a perfect example for that. Agreed.
2: Well, and this is it's like maybe at the twenty minute mark where we meet the captain. Mm -hmm. and there's a scientist there. So there's like two sides to this organization of like roughly 15 people, maybe less than that because they've lost quite a few. But there's the scientific team and then there's the mercenaries. And the the scientist is telling him that, um, he's telling him how shitty it is down here. One of the quotes is that half of the work we do goes down the toilet due to contamination. And the captain is just like, well, work with what you got.
0: Right. um, That shows that like drastic difference in in workflow and and in what, you know, the captain's very much a survivalist. And uh, obviously the science team, if you will, are striving for something more than just surviving the next day and moving to the next location kind of thing.
2: And it is very clearly laid out for us and easy to go along with because their solution to most things is just shoot at it and let's find a safer place to live. And scientific, I mean, let's understand how these things, how the zombies operate. They have two very different kind of ideologies.
0: Yeah. And almost in between, I'd say that uh, uh, the next scene we, we kind of jump into is is meeting Dr. Logan. Uh, he almost plays kind of in between there because he's, he's obviously working towards the research side um, and he's, he's got uh, this lab and, and TJ, maybe you can speak a little bit more to this with your, your experience in, in the genre. Uh, but the practical effects they've got in this lab are just primo. They're, I mean, some of the best that you're going to find in specific, uh, this era for sure. But even in like, into contemporary films. 1985,
3: I would say, was the peak year for special effects artist Tom Savini, which you dedicated his talents to this film. Uh, After many talks with Mr. Savini, I'd have to say this is some of his best work. I'd have to say that that Dr. Frankenstein's lab is arguably one of the best... Labs in modern horror history only because of the sheer amount of test subjects and the way that they are presented within the scene his lab is so fucking over the top and crazy with the sheer amount of test subjects he has and the ways that he mutilates the body It's it's so cool but more so it's so cool in the fact that Tom Savini nails every single effect in the scene that's presented with Dr. Frankenstein including the effect that I mentioned with you guys where uh, the zombie turns over and all of his guts spill out. I could almost guarantee that 90% of the effects in that scene are leftover catering from that day.
1: (laughs) Gosh. Perfect. Yeah, there's
2: there's one specimen that has no head and no skull, Mm -hmm. and we see the brain. He's, like, working on the nerve endings of this thing. And the other one on the table, like... Stomach is ripped open. He's looking at the body of that one.
0: Yeah, he's, he's noting that it still has the urge to eat, but uh, uh, obviously isn't digesting anything. And it's 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 stomach and digestive tract doesn't function. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, it's especially with the uh, the body that you mentioned that has the the exposed brain and, and spinal column, uh, the like inflating lungs and the like slightly moving spine and brain it's just like yeah. little things where that easily could have been just a a blank corpse sitting on yeah. uh, on a, a cadaver table that they just left there that the doctor goes and plugs stuff into and, and stuff. And then they have a separate scene where, you know, he, he cranks the dials and the arms reach up and shit. Uh, but no, I mean, they've got pulsating organs and all that. And it just adds to that at realism. And uh, that really held up over the years, like, significantly, in my opinion.
2: Yep. Oh, it's incredible. There's actually an actor on that table with a prosthetic from his neck up, and his real head is underneath the table. So, like, his back is curved all the way back. His head's upside down. He had to stay there for, what, like, hours while they get everything working. It's mind-blowing. And also with the plot... We find out that that was their uh, previous captain, you know, Major Cooper, who died the same morning that the film takes place, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it pans to his uniform, and we realize that uh, Doctor Logan is operating on uh, the soldiers, so he's he's sabotaging their corpses, and that's another, uh, that's like the dirty little secret. Right. And now, and now Captain Rhodes is taking charge.
0: Yeah, and it. Uh, I don't know. That's that's probably. I think that lab scene is probably my favorite scene in the in the whole film. I keep keep kind of fixating on it just because I I love mad scientist lab in any scene in any film. Yeah. They're yeah, just right. always there's so much shit going on. There's so many dials and lights and tubes and. Oh
1: yeah, no, I love some of the little background elements in this lab. Like, do you guys know who uh, uh, Joseph Plato is? What's that, Joseph you know, Plato? I-
3: yeah, you know he's the voice of uh, Greymon on Digimon.
0: Oh, killer! Oh. Really?
3: <laughs> you can hate him all you want, but the guy's fucking <laughs> to, our, to our childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's also a uh, big uh, Beetleborgs Vexor.
2: Yeah, 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 it, yeah, it, it yeah. That's the connection movie. that yeah. made me want to do this movie. Is uh, he's the big bad in Beetleborgs season one, and he's the big bad in this one of my favorite films of all time and uh the next scene is my favorite of the film we just talked about Camp's favorite scene
3: he also did uh he was in a film uh called effects by tom savini he played a character named dominic
2: fact, i was not but, aware of that
3: yeah effects is another film that's essentially heavy effects heavy and it's just while a small film crew is shooting a low-budget horror film in the woods, the lines between reality and fiction start to blur when the movie slowly starts to turn into a snuff film. Oh. <laughs> so it's essentially just somebody recording a film being made and everybody behind that film being made starts getting killed. I've got better things to do than listen to this kindergarten. Are we finished here?
2: No, we ain't finished here, lady. Sit down.
0: So this is your is it- uh, favorite scene up here, Griff?
2: Yeah. It's got all the characters. It's in that main room. Yep. Uh, the big ass sort of like semi cave. You got the mercenaries on one side, the civilian team on the other side. We get a lot of information about the world and how things are falling apart. You know, they don't know how many are left. They, are, they, are we the only ones left is kind of the thing they're talking about when we when we first cut to this scene.
1: This is the scene where they say that the shopping malls are closed. That's yeah. The yeah. 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 The rest of yeah. He's yeah. in
3: Dawn of the Dead as well,
1: right? He's an
3: officer at the police deck. Joe Palato is Joe Plato Sorry,
2: Joe. Yeah, I I've been pronouncing it Palato Palato
3: Palato Palato. Uh, I have to consult our local Italian for that.
2: Let's call the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. thing off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe Joe Pilato does have a cameo scene of Dawn of the Dead, but not the theatrical cut of the film. No. It's in extended cuts of the movie.
3: Cannes cut, Argento cut, theatrical cut, not there.
2: Huh? <laughs> yeah. the uh, The animosity of the military side comes
0: out. Yeah it it culminates. There's obviously the constant tensions between the two, and culminates. With the captain saying, the woman's got to get shot. And it's like just the, the sheer tension. It, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of like a, a your uh, Mexican standoff scene in a in a Western film where there's three or you know, three or four different characters holding guns to each other saying, you know, you're going to do this. Or you're going to get shot. They're going to do this. Or they're going to get shot. And it's uh, I don't know. It's like a, a really like captivating scene of some characters are very clearly not taking the captain seriously as all of this is happening uh, yeah. because there's just bigger shit to be worrying about. Uh, and right. that's,
1: that's why is he going on this power trip right now. Like,
0: right. Uh, and it's translated so well with all of the actors uh, portrayals uh, where it could easily have been, uh, you know, one or two of them just hamming up the scene and everyone else just kind of playing along. But it just they all play off of each other so well and mm-hmm. I love that dichotomy between the two of them. Uh, Not even just being one's the rational side, one's the irrational side, because you can definitely see where each of them are coming in a post, I guess, not even post-apocalyptic necessarily, like an apocalyptic world where they have no fucking clue what's going on (laughs) (laughs) and to what extent it's going on.
2: Yeah. So we find out that the captain's crazy because – So his men are harassing Sarah, and she's like, okay, I'm done with this bullshit. Are we through here? And he says, no, we're not finished. Sit the fuck down. You know What have you brought me here? This makes no sense. And she's like, what do you mean? That's the work we've been doing for the past month or so. And he says, no, you've given us a mouthful of Greek salad, a bunch of formulas, equations, fancy terms that don't mean a thing. I want to know if you're doing something that's going to help us out of this deep shit we're in or if you're all just jerking each other off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great line.
2: Yeah. And she yeah, she's saying what else what else do you want? This is this is the job we were brought here to do and now you have it. So and then she's continuing continue to be harassed by the men. So she leaves and he says, "No, get the fuck back here. Sit down." And he takes the floor and just says, I'm willing to kill each of you if you don't show me results. And then uh, Dr. Logan walks in and uh, shit gets even more yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it goes into him, you know, kind of starting to explain what he's been working on, trying to make the zombies um, controllable, more or less, I guess, is yeah, a, I is a way.
1: I think is the word they use.
0: Yeah. He's uh,
1: He's
2: looking to civilize them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Make them back into drones rather than aggressors. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting uh, route to go for a, a science team's goal in a zombie film of not having it be, oh, we're trying to cure or we're trying to find a, an immunity or anything like that. Uh, whereas, you know, he's specifically working on. Yeah, I'm going to find out how to uh, control and uh, nullify them a little bit. Set them in the corner. A
1: a bit
2: of trivia here, or just a parallel I noticed, is that um, when Logan comes in the room, Rose is pissed because he says, you're supposed to be here at 7 o'clock, sharp, mister. And uh, the first thing Vexor says to the Magnavores in Beetleport (laughs) says, you are late. <laughs> um, so um, yeah i should overdub that episode of Beetleborgs. instead of saying <laughs> you're late he should say you were supposed to be here at seven o'clock sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's killer you are uh, we kind of you know bounce around we're arguing in here and uh the captain's just Clearly getting more and more unhinged and more and more uh fed up, whether or not it's uh justified kind of uh you know, that's not dived into too much, but uh
2: Well <laughs> she says this whole thing was rushed. This operation we're doing here was put together in a matter of days. Right. Which is nice to know that in case there's anything that seems kind of hokey and clumsy about this whole operation. The reasoning for that is and it's explained in this one line is that it's the end of the world and there wasn't enough time to put together something that made sense that was kind of that was fair to both the scientific side and the military side. You know, it was destined to kind of fall apart.
3: McDermott doesn't have decent
2: radio gear. Now you're telling me that you don't have the shit you
0: need? Well, we lead into kind of into the hallway here and uh, we get some nice shots. Uh, Aaron and I were comparing it to our high school, which is about the same as comparing it to a prison (laughs) uh, because you get those nice white painted cinder block walls, uh, which just, again, adds to that just horrible isolationist feeling. Uh, But they've got some cool. They've got the rock formations from the cave coming out of the wall um, that TJ, you said painted white now uh, which would only make it feel worse
2: <laughs> yeah yeah this hallways are it's very bleak there's no color there's no pictures of Hawaii there's no you know there are no curtains there are no colors or anything so it works in the fact that it's so plain this hallway set gets used many times in the film because the budget was like cut in half because well Romero couldn't get the budget that he wanted so he made huge changes to the script to accommodate the filming locations so yeah sets were used multiple times in the film we see this hallway set at the end when things get really
0: out of control the hallway scene that we get is is uh, Sarah checking in on her on her boyfriend and we Brush right from that into uh, another one of my favorite sets on this, which is the Ritz.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, it's it's this little uh, it's in kind of the back of a, I guess it's behind a trailer, and they've set up this little like uh, oasis.
2: Yeah, this is where her friends live: the pilot and the technician expert. They live together away from everyone else. And uh, they're almost like a third subsidiary of the team because they're just the workers. There's a few scientists, there's the men, and then there's these two guys. And they live separate. They live out in the caves where all the storage is and like relics from the past.
0: Yeah. And they're out uh, kind of just drinking and chatting and have a good time. We get some, uh, a good kind of lull. Uh, from the action and the yelling, uh, mm-hmm. and some some good character movement, we get and then, some uh, levity, and it's it's nice. Yeah. yeah, And then right fucking back to the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we move into there uh, into one of kind of the we're about the halfway point. We get introduced to um, more of the kind of controlled slash training aspect of the um, the zombie experiments where uh, they've got a zombie chained up to the wall and she walks in and starts checking on him and uh, he's flipping shit. He's flipping a desk over or flipping a cadaver table over. He's trying to rip the chains out of the wall. Um, And the makeup is just gorgeous. Uh, Again, I love the lab setups. Uh, Just, it looks like a working lab. It looks like a place that is, um, you know, shit's actually getting done in, Uh, but also just, the paint and the grime and the, the rust and uh, just the nastiness of the wall that the zombies chained to compared to the clinical cleanliness on the other side of the room. Uh, I don't know. I just, I love that set dressing. Um, yeah.
2: And I never noticed that before is how, how dirty that side of the room is because that's where they've chained the zombies
1: to be <laughs> <laughs> on these experiments though. Like this, this has been going on for so long that, like, they've had opportunity to dirty that wall behind them, and not only that, but now he's got them to the point where they're like examining objects, like books, like yeah. Uh, the, the the I mean the evolution's just interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the I I think you know one of the definitely another character uh, and one of the more interesting characters of this movie, but honestly kind of this whole franchise and i think he's kind of stood out in this this story arc of bub Uh, (laughs) you know that's
3: anomaly bub is a character where for once george focuses on a single zombie and what they're really capable of and in this entry of the franchise we see bub interact with a book a gun all sorts of things and we really see uh what zombies zombies are capable of within this franchise.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and we get, we've, they've mentioned it in the earlier movies and they, uh, they mentioned it earlier in this movie specifically of the, the zombies are constantly, uh, trying to mimic their previous behavior. Um, I think it's usually explained as like, uh, their brains are, it's just kind of going on repeat of their last actions or their routines, uh, so they give him a razor and he kind of default starts trying to shave and is just peeling skin off of his face. Yeah,
2: uh, he sees himself in the mirror. Yeah. Yep. And um like my heart flutters a little bit during that part when he sees himself in the mirror and he's holding a razor. It's like, yeah, he remembers.
0: Yeah, it's a very Frankenstein's monster uh kind of moment of of recognition and like oh shit, how aware is this guy? I mean, it's a person. At least at one point, he was a person. Like, how, how cognizant uh, and sentient is he and are the zombies anymore? It doesn't quite go to the I Am Legend uh, level of it, of having them be a, a an actual, uh, you know, next evolution um, right. mutation of humanity that, that has a society or anything. Uh, at least, not that we know of, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a nice little like TJ said a focus on the actual uh lore and capabilities of the zombies because one of the big things that Romero tends to do is just have uh, the zombies are almost scene setters uh they're they tend to be background pieces and you don't dive too much into the specifics of uh what do the zombies do how do they do it and all that kind of shit so that's nice it's it's a nice, It's a nice aspect that sets this film apart from the rest in the franchise and then obviously other zombie films. TJ, we're, you know, we're, we're past the halfway point. I'll let you talk a little bit now that we've got, we've got Bub in and you've got obviously more uh, experience with the special effects, especially side of this stuff.
3: Special effects in this film. I mean, 1978, there's definitely a change within the horror genre of not only blood effects, but gore effects. And I think that this film really helped revolutionize practical effects as a whole. I think that a lot of scenes can be a testament to that, including the vocal rip scene, the disembowelment, and then of course the Doctor Mad Laboratory scene is just really a uh, display of the work that be Effects can achieve on this, uh, as well as uh, Tom Savini. It's it, it's cool. It's cool to see the early beginnings of some of these people and where they are today. I mean, to begin on Day of the Dead and then end up where some of these people are and then some of the work that some of these people have done over the years, it's crazy. I know that uh, Nicotero has done, as of recent, the Creep Show reboot. It's been wildly successful, and it's not reliant on practical effects. So I think that special effects in film is kind of relative to what technology is as of uh, the creation of the film. And I think that as of 1978, this is abs, not 1978, 1985, this is the best they could have done at the current time.
0: Yeah. I I don't see how
2: they could have done it any better because I don't think anyone has since. And you reminded me as far as like Nicotero's career, I read something really cool where he actually repaired, revitalized the original Bruce shark from jaws. Ah, Wow. It it was actually, yeah. One of the models they used for jaws was found and just abandoned and falling apart. And Nicotero tracked it down. He took it to his garage and gave it new skin, new teeth as screen accurate to the original film as he could because that movie scared him when he was a child i'm not sure if he was a child at the time of jaws but he saw it when he was young and uh just only a few years ago he and his friends made that shark bruce from the original jaws like as terrifying as it was on screen in modern day it's a really good read
3: yeah i think i've seen uh something about that exact article you're you're talking about with uh Megataro revitalizing a prop from Jaws. I'll tell you what, Bruce might arguably be the most popular uh, special effect prop of all time, mainly because of how much he's on screen, how big of pop culture he is. I mean, actually, he's not really on screen that much. In all of Jaws, it's just the fact that what he represents in horror as a whole it's just so magnificent. Mm-hmm. I think Jaws is really uh, not only horror films, but cinema as a whole really started going into the blockbuster age of things.
2: Jaws is a game changer and yeah. Bruce was a huge part of making people terrified of the water.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, definitely I, resulted in a, in a, in a lot of uh, uh, shark deaths, which I mean, as shitty as it sounds to have that kind of influence in, not just pop culture, but in, in culture in general, in society of making a whole generation of people terrified of, of sharks in the water. Uh, and then obviously leading to, you know, pop culture phenomena like Shark Week now uh, yeah. is just like a crazy, a crazy evolution of of what uh, could have easily been uh, a campy write off movie uh, in any other context. See, so yeah, I kind of jumping right through uh Shit really hits the fan after we get introduced to bub and uh, we jump right into the scene. We're back at the front gate and uh, that's where we get shit really going wild and we get the first bite. Now they've got to deal with that shit. Uh, yeah. TJ, I know you talked about how this scene was a um, just another one of those practical effects that really uh, they just really killed it. The arm uh, I almost said decapitation. The uh, the uh, yeah, amputation.
1: <laughs> oh, the, car- the carterization oh, oh scene. God. Oh, beautiful. That's one of my it's favorite so effects in the whole movie. It's realistic, and that's the oh, scary. I love when the when the machete's about three-quarters of the way through his arm. Oh, his he pushes switch. the weight
3: on it. Oh, oh yes, ah!
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah the second half of this flick is like i don't know 10 times gorier than the first half Oh my god yeah um, yeah the doctor says he manages to sway the military side of the team to get him more specimens so he can can continue his research and uh sarah's boyfriend is so stupid but he's part of the team again that has to wrangle up zombies and again he screws up and (laughs) <laughs> because like I don't even know if it was his fault exactly. Because no, it wasn't. On the zombie just breaks, and he's like, "Uh," and the zombie just goes straight for one of the team members,
0: right in the jugular. Like, yeah, yeah,
2: right in the yeah, the neck prosthetic. Oh, you see it as a close up, like the lady's teeth go into his neck and tear off like his vocal cords, and then he accidentally shoots Nicotero
3: <laughs>
1: with his yeah.
2: gun. So two of them die, and uh, I don't even know his name, but he gets bit on the arm, and it's as effective as the neck tear. But um, the zombie's teeth uh, go into his arm, and he pulls back, and you see the skin stretch and then snap, and it's just gushing blood. And so Sarah goes after him, and they meet at the Ritz, and that's when we get the, the arm severing scene because she's trying to amputate the bite which is something we've never seen in the franchise before
1: right
0: yeah and that's like a that's a mainstay kind of of, uh, of zombie uh, yeah. media now of of you know you get bit in the leg you get bit in the arm whatever you amputate it and and uh, uh, hope for the best and you know just another first that this film kind of kicked off but then the the colorization uh, with the the makeshift torch is just so uh, like guttural and realistic and yeah almost oh, immediately
2: I love it. she she knows what to do right her friends her friends connect the dots too it's like oh yeah like after we've amputated the arm you know we got to roast it to close up the wound and hopefully stop the spread and everything is just shown in complete close-up they don't hold back close-ups of the prosthetic and the blood and they don't cut away from the severing, like we see that machete go into the arm, moving the machete around to try and cut through the whole thing. We see right. the arm come off. It's glorious. And the, on my first viewing, I was just like, "Oh my fucking god, this I is
1: know. yeah, yeah."
2: Like I may not like what I'm about to see here. <laughs> this is <laughs> a step beyond Robocop. Right. Is, you know, yeah. this is an X-rated film.
1: No, for sure. No, as a first time viewer, that definitely that was one of my two favorite, like super standout scenes as far as special effects go. The other one being toward the end. So I won't say. anything. Yeah, but yeah.
0: Well, and and we go from that, you know, they uh, they get the boyfriend set up and they get him hanging out and laying out and uh, sweating half to death. And uh, Sarah and uh, I think it's the technician decide to go to uh, Frankenstein's lab. And uh, we get another just right off the bat, another killer practical effect of the severed head. Frankenstein has been keeping alive Uh, and it's just well executed, uh, as believable as it needs to be in the moment. And uh, you get some nice close ups of all the wires coming out of the back of the brain. I just I don't know. I love it.
2: Yeah, we find out. Well, we already knew this that he was working on the soldiers after they die, but mm. again, like this is kind of the last straw for Sarah and she realizes that he's absolutely crazy. Like yeah. it was it was messed up enough that he was working on the captain's body without telling anyone. But these are the bodies of the soldiers from the accident earlier. He's he's cut off Greg Nicotero's head and he's like keeping it alive with like electricity. And she mm-hmm. tries to shoot it to put him out of his misery. And, um, they're realizing, okay, we better get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. To <Which> lead
2: <laughs> into the final act of the film,
3: which arguably has to be some of the best of the film. I mean, the third act really kind of takes the tone of this film and amps it up and kind of sets the rest of the film. First, one of the best endings of a zombie film.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see Dr. Frankenstein working with Bub more, getting him to play a tape player, uh, to uh, to press uh, play and pause on the... Uh...
2: Playing Beethoven for yeah. on, on a yeah. Walkman. And I, to me, this scene is even more touching than when we first see them together. And uh, he gives them more things to play with, and there's more... The actor who plays Bub, Howard Sherman, is conveying a lot of things just through his eyes and his voice. They they don't give him any lines, but um, yeah, we see him grab Frankenstein's arm and then decides not to bite him. So we see that trust building, and it's all really sad later on when that bond is severed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's kind of funny when he presses play. And he hears the Beethoven and he's just like,
1: yeah. He's <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, that goes right into uh, uh, Sarah and the technician are out watching this. They see him be fed human remains. And, uh, you know, that's obviously them clicking even more like this guy's not he's too far gone uh, and he, he's just completely inhuman now they start to walk away and the mercenaries are already there and uh, they grab Dr. Frankenstein pull him aside, they open the, the uh, walk-in freezer and <laughs> one of the dudes is chopped up and set around and yeah. uh, Vexor just blows him the fuck away <laughs>
1: <laughs> What is going on here? What is going on?
0: Throw Go some man in
1: there.
2: my in my
3: those
2: are my men in there <laughs> But in all seriousness, um yeah, that is the absolute last straw for Rhodes. He's taking control of this, he's not gonna spare any lives. He just wants to take that chopper, take his men, and get the fuck out. And he says, Well, the, the Frankenstein's pleading for his life. He's saying, You have to listen to me, Captain. And Rhodes just says, Listen to this and Unloads with the M sixteen, and that's it for. Uh, it's it's very sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, yeah they uh, they're getting ready to get the fuck out of there, and uh, that's when we go back to uh, the Ritz, and we see uh, the boyfriend is just not doing so hot. Uh,
2: well, he survived. So yeah, that, <laughs> that's a miracle.
0: Yeah, he's he's hanging in there, but he is not looking well. And uh, the mercenaries are back. They're holding basically holding the uh, rest of the of the science team hostage uh, because they're going to get the fuck out of there. And the pilot's going to take them whether he wants to or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, we just we get to see kind of that uh, almost similar conversations that we were seeing in the first act, but just escalated and and whatever makeshift friendships, if you want to even call them friendships or, or whatever yeah. relationships they had. Uh, is just gone and now it is completely survival of the fittest and the mercenaries are going to leave everything open and they're getting the fuck out of there whether or not anybody wants to go with them
2: just really quick cam he does blow the scientist's head off
0: oh yeah Yeah.
2: and uh i wasn't expecting it the first time i saw it because the pilot doesn't agree with what Rhodes is saying and his demands. And he's like, Oh, you don't agree with me. Bam. And that's it. And <laughs> it's rare in films. That's like a hostage does just spontaneously get, you know, murdered. In yeah. Blood.
1: Right. Well, and especially because he was the one, I mean, despite the evil that he was committing, like he was the one that understood the virus, the best and had the best chance of, you know, getting them the fuck out of there so like they kind of burn their meal ticket in my opinion agreed
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely a kind of uh (laughs) short-term reactionary plan yeah of uh yeah sure you can you can get out of here and you can go somewhere else but like a what are the odds that you're going to find more fuel down the line b how how many you know we don't know how many safe places there are um that are going to be as fortified or fortifiable as, as the caves that they were already in. Um, yeah,
1: well, that was the doctor's question in the cafeteria. Where will you go? Like,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: I think yeah. that bad answer by the end of the film,
0: though. But uh, true. Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: yeah. And by this point, this is where the zombies just start flooding in. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we just we get every some every
3: rendition of this uh, story has the same exact fucking outcome.
0: Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the ultimate uh, third act of pretty much every zombie story. Is eventually they're overtaken, and how do they react to that? And that's when you just start killing off characters in (laughs) mass. It
3: is glorious. Yeah, it's just glorious display of practical special effects. Yes, from here until escape, it's it's glorious. It's a very good portrayal of the third act of this film, and I couldn't see it any other way.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I've watched documentaries on this film and, like, the inside notes in my DVD. Um, the plan for the original script that George had in mind had more scenes of, like, huge hordes of zombies. Yeah. Um, but it was cut back to just the the beginning and third act of this film. But the scenes we do have of giant hordes of undead are second to none. Uh, the zombies look better than they ever did. Every actor is like green in the face. Their clothes are tattered. They all mm-hmm. have personality. Everyone remembers the clown zombie that's in the crowd. He's my favorite. You know, there's a ballet dancer. She kind of stands on her toes.
0: There's a bride. Yeah. 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 They're, uh, and it's all of the actors are like, uh, they're just, you can see the like, the anxiety and, and the panic uh, in their, you know, the way that they're portraying and the way that they're running around. Uh, and I don't know that Well, they're not
2: running zombies. That's, that's in the remake.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, no, the human actors.
2: Very-
0: <laughs> yeah. We're not to uh, world war Z level. Uh, <laughs>
3: we not- have other types of wards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, we get, you know, the uh, inevitable and tragic demise of the boyfriend uh, who has made it up to the surface and uh, lets down the uh, I don't know quite what it's like a car lift, I guess, is what it's what they came down on at the at the very beginning of the movie.
3: Yeah, yeah. a,
0: uh, a missile silo.
1: Yeah, yes like the access into the caves right? yeah the big
0: hydraulic lift uh, that goes down and it just brings with them this just this this giant horde that's just falling all over each other and uh, I love it every single one of those uh actors that come down are all in great makeup and I'm sure that like as you get back to the end of the uh stack that they're putting less and less makeup on and being you know <laughs> obviously the people that are in the front are gonna have uh the premiere – uh Makeup jobs and gore and stuff, but damn, I mean, they They're really, not with
1: a bad one in it, yeah, sure.
0: uh, they really went for it with the diversity of costumes, and I uh, feel like they really rated the costume uh, department for this one. And uh, the golf cart scene feels <laughs> so; it just doesn't feel like it fits, but it works.
2: I know. <laughs> no, 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 it's kind of funny. The, the team have split off into two groups, essentially, uh, because the men have turned Sarah and her friends loose in the cave and saying, fuck you. And uh, they try to escape up the lift because they hear a noise. Right. And all they find is a horde of zombies.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So <laughs>
2: they're, the, they're the ones that are closest to their impending doom. So they they fall apart roads is just like i'm getting the fuck out of here fuck all you idiots yeah that's this is the absolute craziest part of the film the, the, <laughs> the, the marines the you know the military trying to escape
0: just more <laughs> golf carts over one of the zombies
2: yeah <laughs> he gets on the golf floor, uh roads and it's goofy because i'm pretty sure i could run faster that's that was exactly my point, point. Is like yeah.
1: he hops in and guns it in a fucking golf cart. He's going like five miles an hour now. <laughs> yeah. And the guy just runs up to where it was and screams, bro! <laughs> you,
0: you son of a bitch. Just hustle a little, bro. Like hop on backwards. Yeah. And then we see Bub yeah. discovering uh, Dr. Frankenstein's body and uh, reacting oh. to it and having that kind of gut wrenching, heart wrenching moment
1: some kind of emotion yeah yeah let's humanize these
3: zombies for just a brief second
1: well but i mean that's kind of the question of the film right is like at what point are these infected humans and at what point are they zombies yeah and are we as bad as
3: uh, infected
0: right yeah and uh uh, that question might get answered a little bit in the next scene where we get uh, uh possibly one of the goriest. But best used practical effects uh, definitely in this film, but, you know, maybe in the franchise, at least in the franchise to this moment uh, of one of the mercenaries running and uh, just getting completely overtaken and laid out on pallets and just Mm -hmm. arms reaching in, grabbing his eye sockets, his guts.
3: He tries to hide first.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it just it doesn't do shit. And they lay him out and rip him open like a surgeon on a table. And <laughs> yeah. it's just such a good scene. And just like his, I don't know. I just love the moment of it going from very clearly an actor there with like prosthetics on to a completely practical effects of of just, uh, uh you know, rubber.
2: They rip his head off. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 And, and that um... that transition is so like well hidden of the actor's face to the complete prop i don't know i just oh, i, I, I ladies and gentlemen
2: yes yeah yeah now this is the the there's four of these assholes left and he's the first one to get it and uh i know tj's been looking forward to describing this effect the <laughs> boards. yeah but as no, he
3: gets his head torn uh the, the further his head gets away from his body the higher pitch the voice he gets
2: yeah, so, yeah. which it, it freaked me out first time I heard it it's, it's the illusion
3: of the vocal cords getting stretchy in real time as somebody's making a noise and what right. would happen if somebody pulled those vocal cords as somebody was vocalizing and I think that that's perfectly perfectly reflected in this film whenever he gets beheaded because that fucking yell
0: Yeah. And it's just like those little attention to details that easily could have been left out and no one probably would have noticed. But the fact that it's in there is just so satisfying.
2: Yeah. I think you mean that small attention to detail.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say is like my second favorite effect of this entire movie was um, on the first zombie execution the way that his jaw like stayed in one place while the top of his head was moving further than it should. Like, you know, most of the time when you think of a jaw getting ripped apart, you think of the bottom jaw being ripped off. It was just interesting seeing the top jaw ripped off. It was just such, yeah. Yeah. So impeccable.
2: The second of the four kills is like probably the scariest for me because, um, Rickles, who we introduced to like 10 minutes into the film. At the end, he finally gets it. And um, he's overtaken by an entire horde. And he's like screaming and um, he's going crazy. He's hopelessly like emptying his clip into this unstoppable horde. And yeah, when he gets grabbed, he's just laughing hysterically. And um, they pull his face apart they bite his fingers off and everything's shown in close up yeah you see the eyeball as the eyelid gets ripped off like gushing blood yeah he's my mom had to look away (laughs) first time because uh first time i saw this from beginning to end was on was on christmas day
0: (laughs) (laughs) the perfect gift
2: (laughs) yeah this was my christmas present in a 2010 um, <laughs> nice, and uh, I was like, "Let's watch Day of the Dead."
0: Like, it's,
2: <laughs> I hear it's really good, and uh, but it was three times gorier than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, my mom had to look <laughs> away; she just heard the screaming and like couldn't look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yeah, we get uh, you know the rest of the mercenaries, except for the captain, get uh, just obliterated, and uh, we get the remainder of the civilian team makes it to the ladder. And uh, uh, are going up and uh, they actually I was uh, the one thing that I couldn't quite remember because I haven't seen it for so long is I was certain that somebody died going up that ladder what? and got dragged back down. I, I vividly remembered that happening for some reason uh, It feel like it kind of should have, but it didn't. Yeah. Uh, they make it up. Uh, the technician fires and uh, and manages to hit the one zombie that was going for the pilot's leg before he gets a bite in
3: very uh-huh. leisurely yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they take their time going up that ladder to... dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and he's like chilling he's like crawling up this fucking ladder and he's like yo there's a zombie on my leg I'm to pull out my 357 <laughs> and he's like I'm gonna aim and boom it was the most relaxing I've seen in this film
0: yeah Yeah. it's yeah. so weird uh the um uh... <laughs> the the
2: pilot who ha- took the guns from roads yes. is uh he's very routinely shooting zombies in the head he does take the time to aim pull the trigger and if he notices he's out of ammo he's uh he tunnel visions on reloading it doesn't look behind him when there's a zombie <laughs> you think he's gonna get it but he doesn't
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh that's because all of the uh karmic balance is left up for the captain and we go back to these goddamn hallways because it has to come back <laughs> to the hallways.
2: You, I told you we'd see this set again <laughs> later on and, and it's the same hallway that steel died in Yeah, the the burliest of the of the mercenaries and um he's I cornered. Yeah, he meets Bub, but he gets cornered by his zombie and uh He gets bitten on the neck and he knows it's over. Yeah. So um, he has like one bullet left and he uses that. Yeah. Cause that's much better than getting torn apart.
0: Yeah. Which speaking of getting torn apart, (laughs) uh, (laughs) we get, (laughs) we get the captain's confrontation with Bub and, uh, Bub has, has gotten the gun and he is, is showing some, uh, like cognitive, uh, uh, he was
2: in the military.
0: Yeah. Before. Yeah. So he's uh, he's like remembering that uh, motor function, I guess, and goes and shoots Rhodes and, and nails him. And he opens yeah. the door oh. and there's just the horde right there at the end of the hallway. And he's just That's fucked.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Bub gets a shot off before Rhodes can and we're rooting for him because, you know, Rhodes is such a dick to him and everyone in the whole. Yeah. And very end of the movies when Rhodes gets it. And um, it's so satisfying because he's like, he's such an asshole. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, he's bleeding out. He's on the floor and he goes for the door. (laughs) That's, that's the scene. That's like every time you have like an eighties horror montage or like, remember this? Or like, Top ten zombie kills like this is in there. Oh, definitely all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Him getting oh, and his
1: the feast scene after that is such. Yes, everyone oh, wanted him to die in the film.
0: Yeah,
2: the whole movie's been building up to this final kill. Like you're just waiting for him to get it, and when he gets it, oh, he like he gets it worse than anybody. He gets mm-hmm. ripped in half from the torso up, and uh, has enough energy left to say choke on
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the guttural howling
1: choke on! I don't and
0: know how you would
1: scream when your diaphragm has been separated from you know, <laughs> body. <laughs> like, very carefully
2: those, it it off as pure adrenaline <laughs> yeah right
0: yeah. yeah and uh yeah and that's that's the really the climax of the film is that death scene. And then we get the, the feasting scene after of all the zombies they've taken over the cave. They're just devouring all the remnants of uh, the mercenaries and civilians.
2: Most graphic thing uh, I've ever seen. It's just um, these zombie actors are playing with his insides, which is like, I assume the insides of an animal that they use but they're all covered in blood. They're like eating them. They're like fighting over pieces of them. They're sucking on the bone and like, gosh, it's even worse just by the, how dirty the setting is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's glorious.
3: And that is just followed up by essentially the home stretch.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the last three make it to the helicopter pad and uh, we get kind of a fake out. We get, uh, reminiscent of the the opening scene and a callback to the very start of it sarah's walking into the helicopter and you see a zombie grab her by the neck and she wakes up and she's mm-hmm. asleep <laughs> in the back of the helicopter and she everything's fine and they're on an island and she's marking the calendar yeah. off as november yeah they and through
2: october <laughs> it's, yep uh,
0: and yeah that's that's the film it's got a uh Yeah, I don't know if you call it a happy ending. Uh, (laughs) Of course, it's in the 80s. It's
2: a
3: neutral ending.
2: Yeah. It ends with a power ballad that's like synth heavy and uh, motivational lyrics. You know,
0: (laughs) keep your head up. It's a semi
2: optimistic
0: -optimistic ending.
2: (laughs) It's like a love ballad.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that was Day of the Dead. Yeah. I'm desperately wanting to go and watch the rest of the franchise now, uh, especially as I'm oh, sitting and looking man. at at yeah, uh 2B TV's uh what's the word I'm trying to on your
3: TV guide their you like their
0: catalog. Yes.
3: Man's Survival and Diary <laughs> of Dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at their their catalog of all the other uh not just Romero zombie movies, but just zombie movies that they've got. I'm like god, damn it, it's been so long since I've watched any zombie. But really any like horror movies that weren't classic universal movies and I'm feeling like I'm going to be diving in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: On our next episode of whatever the fuck, (laughs) let us know what you've been watching. And uh, yeah, Cam's got his whole October cut out for him. So uh, (laughs) with us, buddy,
1: just have a string of bonus episodes that are all horror movies. That'll be awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, everybody listening, uh, you know, shoot us a message or comment on uh, on this episode or on any episode and and let us know what are you watching in this spooky season? Uh, you know, is there a, a specific horror franchise that you identify with or that you've grown up with uh, or something that you just got into recently that you've decided to dive deep dive into uh, or uh, maybe a television series I don't know, or anything, or a comic series, even. Um, yeah. Anything like that, you know? There's horror knows no uh, boundaries of mediums. So, uh, <laughs> I've been deep diving into a horror fiction podcasts for the last couple years, really, but especially this year, uh, really getting into like uh, not just no sleep type stuff, but uh, Old Gods of Appalachia and the Magnus Archives and shit like that. Any of you guys? Uh, what are you guys planning on watching around Halloween? Do you guys have anything that you're Looking forward to watching that you traditionally watch.
2: Well, I watch I watch Cube from 1997 every ah, every year, especially yeah. around October great. because I love isolation movies. Uh, as you can see, like Day of the Dead has great isolation, but Cube, I find myself coming back to Cube because of um, the ambiguity of the plot. The soundtrack is is uh, chilling and simple but effective. It's, um, it's very simple but effective horror, and they get the goriest scene out of the way early on, and the rest of it is very uh, world-building and character focused. It's just the best movie I've seen that's um, the best at conveying complete isolation. As far as other things, um, I would check out In Search of Darkness, uh, which is uh, part
3: two that's uh, yep. fun to meet now.
2: Yeah, part two by my boy Oliver Oliver Harper is underway. And um, if you haven't seen In Search of Darkness, um, and you liked this podcast, I would I would recommend it highly. It's um, covers the arguably the best decade of horror. Eighties um, are light. oh man! <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> it. So that's okay. all I got. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think this Halloween uh, I'm gonna try to drag my wife into watching Silence of the Lambs. Finally, uh, I've been working on that one for a long time. So, I love that movie. There is oh, one of my
0: absolute favorites. So
3: it's enjoyed best with a side of fava beans and a nice candy. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> TJ, how about you? I know you've got quite well, your your lineup going, your regular stuff, but
1: got to hit. I was seven. gonna say.
0: Uh,
3: OG Halloween, you gotta hit 1984's Air. Nightmare on Elm Street, and of course you gotta hit 1980s Friday the 13th. You have to hit the OG trifecta. Of don't
2: forget <laughs> to jerk off with a Freddy glove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you don't
3: jerk off with a Freddy glove. Are you even Halloweening at this point? <laughs> it it's so raw. I can't even do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. I mean. There's so many movies: Hocus Pocus, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. There are so many horror-themed or even Halloween-themed films out there that honestly, the the whole month of October, you can really just celebrate anything. And something that I've really seen people really gravitate to is the zombie genre during this time. I think that is because it's so widely appealing to people.
2: And it's, uh, especially in the case of Romero's films, may he rest in peace. He Mm -hmm. made a lot, he conveyed a lot of things about our world through his films. There's so much Day of the Dead has going for it that's relevant today. (laughs)
0: Oh, for sure.
2: Disagreeing over things, falling apart. You know, there's the politics, there's, you know, the workers, it all kind of ties in. And um, I haven't seen all the films in the franchise, but from what I hear... He's got it going on with uh, with his series and um, very yeah. relative to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely going to my my tradition is usually to watch kind of the uh, uh, the classic universal monster. Uh, usually the main ones I've uh, I I tend to throw on my uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon collection. Watch that trilogy. Yeah, boy. Uh, usually um, my wife's favorite uh monsters always frankenstein's monster so i have that box set too i throw that one on um and i
2: actually it's frankenstein
0: oh yes frankenstein oh. <laughs>
2: yeah Don't that's probably going to be called after
0: sorry name drop i'll throw those ones on um and uh yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably be uh, going back to some some zombie movies, because that's a genre I don't dive into a ton. Uh, I may even try to go and actually finish watching uh, the seasons of The Walking Dead that I've missed or maybe Fear of the no. Walking Dead or something like that, because uh, that's a franchise that I, uh, I got burnt out on a while ago that I feel like I could give a second we chance to. to
3: get burnt out on that.
0: Yeah, there's no, just so much.
3: So, yeah, there's so much.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think. You know, this has been a great time. I'm pumped to dive into more horror stuff. And, uh, you know, who better to dive into horror stuff with than TJ? So, yeah. Uh, Thank you guys for uh, for jumping on tonight with us. And uh, I know you you guys (laughs) think Griffin was it. you said that you're the the B team team. yeah
2: <laughs> it ended up working right. you know i i was i mentioned today that's like you know it's october i was like let's let's watch watch a flick i like dave the dead's like one of my favorites and you know the actor who voices Vexors in it so there's the beetleborgs connection and tj comes out with like oh yeah you know like I live in Pittsburgh and like I live near the Night of the Living Dead filming locations and like here's Lori here's Lori Cardill's like email address and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> this just might work.
1: <laughs> well yeah, I was I that was an excellent movie. Really, really enjoyed it. So oh, yeah, thank you for having me on guys. I, I barely ever show up, but Always like it.
3: I've recorded yeah, with yeah. A team and now I'm recording with S P D B team. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, I finally it's got to
2: do game. a show with Aaron. You know, it's yeah. my first time with uh, you know, we miss you. So um it's cool I finally got to do a show with, with two guys I haven't met before. And we're talking about one of my favorite movies. So that's all I got. I've been Griffin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've been I've, Cam. I've been Gen I've been PJ. And we've been the Big big, Bad (laughs) Beetle Bros.